G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The Story I knew my life was not right. I stole, I drank, I swore, I did so many wrong things. I was a hard-hearted person. And so I came back, I knelt down, and I put my head down just so my mom wouldn't see these tears falling. And then God speaks to me, and he said, Donna, you looked everywhere else for love, but I loved you, and I died for your sins. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with Tom and Donna Cole. As we heard last time, both of them struggled with same-sex attraction in their teen years. Tom shared his story of how he eventually became a Christian, and then he met Donna, who, when we ended, was sharing her story of growing up in a very dysfunctional home. At that time, in her confused mind, she began to come to the conclusion that she was born with an attraction to the same sex, and nothing could be done about it. Now, we'll hear more of Donna's story, but before we begin, I just want to remind parents that once again, due to the adult themes of sexuality being discussed, today's program is not recommended for younger listeners. Once again, Donna and Tom Cole are chatting with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. So... At that time, when I realized I could not receive from a man, um, and I gave my heart to this um, woman, I realized I'm born this way. And I told my mom, there's nothing I can do about it. I told my family. And I've always been a straightforward person, so... Let me just back up a little bit. So you couldn't receive from a man. So what does that mean? It meant that I just didn't seem to fit in. That's the only way I can explain it. trust. No, I did not trust. trust, Well, obviously, because of so many stepfathers who were... Untrustworthy, but, but at the time I wouldn't have said that. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have put two and two together that oh, I have trust issues. It's like oh, I I can't let this man in my life. I I have no real feelings for him. Mm. I have feelings for women. So until you really know the Lord, you wouldn't think that way. I'm just like oh, I'm born this way. I get it now. It all makes sense. Mm. This is why I cannot receive from this man. And so I went headlong into that. And really, there were a couple memories in my life that really solidified this for me. And they're so small, but the enemy does not play fair. He takes our hurts and pain. He can twist it, bring a lie in, and we will believe it. Mm. And so when I was around sixth grade, I remember me and uh, some of our girlfriends, we were all out on the playground and we lifted our shirts. We all thought it was funny. And and then when I was in my teen years, I put my hand on my uh, friend's leg just for a moment mm-hmm. and sexual feelings came and I took my hand off because again, I, until 18, I never even uh, dated because of course, trust issues. Mm-hmm. But from those two things, I so thought, and then of course, you know, the 28-year-old man and then my friends, I realized, oh, I'm gay. I'm born this way. It all makes sense. And so I moved in with my um, girlfriend, um, lived with her, then had other relationships because, of course, it didn't work out. I'm so broken. I really can't trust anyone, not just Oh, uh, heterosexual or... 
Homosexual. No, I made a... The Lord, once I came to know him, he started showing me areas in my life. And so during the time of my um, mother letting so many men in, most were absolutely drunk kind of guys, partiers. Losers. Yes. But one was a good man. And so he came into our lives and he took care of my mom. He even had a job. Most of these men didn't have jobs and they were much younger than my mom. My mom always looked young and beautiful. So she'd always get men at least 10 years younger than her. So they're irresponsible young men. And But this man uh, worked, took care of us, but she, he was only around around six to eight months. All the men were only around about that time other than those two stepfathers were a little bit longer. But... Uh, he left right after Christmas. My mom didn't feel worthy of that kind of love. She's still broken and pushed him away. And I remember uh, it was after Christmas, and I took out all the gifts that he bought us because my mom was very poor. And I took a big black marker, and I wrote all over them from JC. That was his name. And in the natural, this would look very rebellious. Like, look at this little girl taking this black marker but the lord showed me that's the day i promised i would never trust anyone again that little girl could handle it when these broken men left but the one nice man who gave her some hope left then this little heart said no more Mm. and from that point on i didn't seem to fit in being straight but i also didn't seem to really fit in even gay because i cannot open my heart to anyone Hmm. because it's shut down but so for four years i lived that life and at that fourth year mark i remember i'm just thinking uh i was going into the gay bar and i thought there must be something more to life than this and it wasn't the homosexuality at that time i also had other promises in my life and promises that you make in pain affect you even after you're a Christian unless you bring those things to the Lord and allow him to heal the pain that caused that. And so I... um, Well, you you said you had promises in your life. What does that mean? Yes. So one of them was, I will never trust anybody, which came through that man. Oh, these are promises like unconscious promises? Yes. We call them inner vows. Mm -hmm. Or to my mom, I said, I will never be like my mother. I would never be weak like her. I will never let a man do what I saw men do to my mom. Mm. And so what am I doing? I'm solidifying independence inside of my heart into my soul. And so um, I also had a inner vow that I would make it in life. My mom was so poor. We were so poor. And I thought I will not be like that. And so at, in high school, I took cosmetology. I was at the top of the class, but I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. Then my dad said, take robotics. Um, When I graduated from high school, that was the big thing. And so I took robotics, top of my class. Like I was, the inner vow, I'm going to make it, was Mm. being fulfilled. So very driven. Oh, absolutely. And so then at 18-ish, I was the first lab technician, a woman in General Motors. That's a big car company in America. And so I'm really filling that life promise. And so that's when I walked into that bar and I said, there must be something more to life than this. I was not at rock bottom when I found Jesus. I made so much money. I had so many friends and I thought something's missing. And so then I started asking God. We were brought up Catholic, but my mom, of course, was the partier. So we went mostly Christmas, Easter, just more word of mouth kind of Catholics. But I started praying. Now, all my life, I did pray. My Hail Mary and my Our Fathers, it's what I learned from a young girl. why did you start praying? 
because there must be something more to Mm -hmm. life than this. And I started asking God, what is life all about? Why do people go to church? Because, you know, I went to the Catholic church once in a while and I thought, well, there's nothing different between us and them, me and them. And then I said, is there a Jesus and what does it matter anyways? And these were four questions and I truly was praying them. I meant them. I was not, for the first time, I think I was praying a heart prayer instead of a memorized Mm -hmm. prayer. Mm -hmm. And I asked God these questions and about a month later, it happened to be Good Friday. And so Catholics, for Good Friday, you would um, sit usually three hours in the church reflecting on Jesus' death. Mm -hmm. But it was about the last 15 minutes, it was about quarter to three, and I said to my mom, I happened to be at home at this time, and I said, let's go to church. And she probably thought, you, the gay rebellious daughter, because I would never want to go to church when they went to church. And it wasn't that I was hating God. It was just, I was one of those kind of people that if I went, I wanted to go because I wanted to go, not out of form. Mm -hmm. And so I said to my mom, let's go. And we went. And all I can explain to this day is that when I walked into that church, as soon as I walked in, this sad feeling came into my heart, like someone that you knew died, that kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's strange. You go to church and nothing happens. And then I sat in the pew with my mom sitting next to me, And at the front of the church was a life-size wooden cross. I'll never forget it. No Jesus on it, just a life-size wooden cross where you're supposed to think about his death. Mm -hmm. And when I looked up at that cross, the only way I can explain it to this day, it was like a TV screen in front of me, though it was not a TV screen. I saw Jesus dying on the cross as if it was really happening. Mm -hmm. It was a vision, a whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But I saw it, and I thought, I cannot tell this to my mom She'll think I'm crazy or I'm on something because, you know, I did a lot of partying back then. And so I just, I'm watching. I'm watching Jesus die. And I I realized in one second's time, God answered those questions. It isn't about church. It's about him. Mm-hmm. He is real. This is what life's all about. This is the answer. And I don't know how other than when God shows you something, you recognize it. And so then at three o'clock, I went out the aisle to cross myself because that's the way Catholics mm-hmm. do to go and pay our respects and then come back to the our seats. And as soon as I went out the aisle, all these tears start coming to my eyes and I'm thinking, why am I crying? And I'm my mom's behind me, so I don't brush away the tears because I don't want her to ask. And to this day, I still don't understand why I was crying other than I think now I was feeling the love of God. And all my life, I believe there was a God, but I thought he had his big finger down on my life um, Mm. of judgment. Condemning you. Yes. And I knew my life was not right. I was homosexual. I stole. I drank. I swore. I did so many wrong things. I was a hard-hearted person. And up until this point, no one ever told me about Jesus Christ. I never knew that you're to give your life to him. And I always wonder what a Christian must have thought as I walked by as this very butchy, hard woman. They probably thought, ooh, I'm scared of her, and I'm not about to talk to her. But I always wonder what would have happened if somebody just would have took the time to tell me about Jesus. I have no idea, because no one did. But So I came back, I knelt down, and I put my head down, just so my mom wouldn't see these tears falling. And then God speaks to me. All my life, I never knew God could speak to anybody. I never heard of this. Hmm. And I'll never forget the words. And he said, Donna, you looked everywhere else for love, but I loved you and I died for your sins. And no one ever told me you loved me. 
You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Donna and Tom Cole, who are sharing their life journeys. So far today, we've mostly been hearing Donna's story about her struggles with same-sex attraction. Next, we'll hear the impact Christ has had on her life and how she eventually meets and marries Tom. All that and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Tom and Donna Cole and finding out about their unique story. As we heard before the break, Donna grew up in a troubled home and struggled with her identity and same-sex attraction. Then, one day, she went to church and had an encounter with God. Now, we'll hear what happened next in Donna's life. I walked out of that church. I never drank again. I never smoked again. I knew I wasn't gay anymore. And that's very unusual. That's not the way it usually works. Mm. Usually there has to be a lot of healing that happens, and I'm very clear on that because many times in the church we think, okay, now you're a Christian, you shouldn't struggle with that. But it's just like other areas of life. And so, you know, once in a while you'll hear that story of an alcoholic who gets saved in a moment and never drinks again. Well, that happened to be me. But then the Lord did take me on a journey, and he showed me my mind. I knew deep down I was not homosexual anymore, but I also knew I had to watch these thoughts for four years. I lived a homosexual life for four years. I have memories. For four years, I slept. I didn't wasn't a very um, promiscuous, promiscuous um, woman, but I did have about four relationships during that four years, maybe three, that I really gave my heart to. And the Lord started to show me, now, Donna, we have to learn to think differently. And that's the only way I can explain it. When I went past the gay bar, which I had to to go to work, I would turn my head the other way and wouldn't let my mind go to my memories and my thoughts back then because the Bible says, think on whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are a good report. So it could be true, but not a good report. And so when I drove past that gay bar, I'd turn the other way, and I didn't care if I thought about a flower or a scripture, but I wouldn't let my mind go to that. I believe it's a key that many people don't realize and they don't hold on to. And then eventually you met Tom. Absolutely. Tom, you can go into that. We should say, in case people didn't hear part one of our conversation, that you struggle with same-sex attraction in your young adult years, put your faith in the Lord, and then what was happening in your life at the time you met Donna? Yeah, so I'm attending church now and uh, went to an early morning prayer meeting. Um, didn't really know about prayer and wanted to find out what what is prayer all about. And there were all these kind of very strange people there. Um people are very different than other people, intercessors, <laughs> and one of those people was Donna, and she would uh, come in after running five miles in the morning in her sweaty sweats, and she was super tough. So she was looking very attractive, you're saying. Yeah, she was, <laughs> she, and, and really everything about her body, uh, her body language said, don't come near me, don't even try. Yes. Like she was, oh, okay. she was tough. It's like I said, that when we have that, those inner promises, those inner vows, that even though I was a Christian, I brought those into my Christianity mm-hmm. until the Lord started to heal my heart. Yeah. 
So one day, I think it was that first day, she came up and whispered in my ear, I was gay too. And I thought, oh my goodness, like God showed her I was gay. So you had something in common, right? Yeah, we had something in common immediately. Um, Later found out that we had both shared our story with a a mutual friend who said, oh, that Tom's got the same deal as you. You should talk to him. So so we became... Very good friends and prayer partners, and we talked every day, two, three hours a day. And wow, then, your, your friendship really hit off. Oh yeah, yeah, it just hit off, and we were we were deep, deep friends. We had a a mutual friend, uh, Carolyn, who she told me one day, "I think you like Don." I'm like, "No, no, no, that's not true." N- unknowingly, that she was talking to Don and said, "I think you like Tom," you know. So, uh, so I think early on we both really did have a mutual attraction. Yes, but then we. Had- so many walls up for the opposite sex that people would think like, oh, what a wonderful relationship. But the truth is it was a very hard relationship. It was. And and eventually, you know. Now, the, why was that? Uh, wh- why was that? Well, I think because of, uh, if you look at both our lives, we're both so incredibly broken. We both had such deep wounds. For so the whole same-sex attraction is just in the mix of. Absolutely. The confusion. Yeah, yeah. Lives. We always say it's the same root, different fruit. So what does the, that mean? The root is the brokenness. We all have wounds in our lives. Rejection, so rejection, hurt pain. hurt, pain, abuse, you know, just all the things that we experience. We all come with the same root, but it expresses itself so differently. Mm. Right. Some people might deal more with alcoholism. Some people, like my mom, had to have a man on her arm to feel uh Worthy. Like yes, for me, I thought another woman's arms would meet the deep need. So we will all look to other things to meet a deep void, a true void in our mm-hmm. hearts. When really we're looking for Jesus Christ, and He's the only one that can fill that deep void. But I, I did find myself tr- attracted to Donna, and and eventually that bloomed and blossomed into a relationship. And so we dated. And were you a bit surprised? No. No, I don't think we so. We really did love we each really other. We really did love each other. We just other. didn't want to admit that to each other. I really thought I was going to be a single missionary. I already had my letters written to the orphanage in Africa. But the truth is, again, that inner vow is I'm going to protect myself. I'm not going to allow someone in. And mm-hmm. I really went to these three little uh, ladies, and they prayed prayers asking God, where did the wounds and hurts come in her life? And God just, that's when I started to realize where I made those inner promises and inner vows. And I started asking the Lord to heal those things in my life. And I started inviting him into those areas that I really shut people off in. And he started to heal this broken heart Mm. of these uh, wounds that I carried. And then we even wrote a book about really allowing God to come into those deep places so that those wounds don't any longer identify you. They do not control your life, but rather Jesus well, and, does. And this is how the book came about, really. it was This was after you were married? <laughs> yeah, yes. so we got, we got married we get Christmas married Day, part. 1988. <laughs> we got married, and uh, we were both so incredibly broken. We did, I, I, I just want to say, how did your families feel about this? Um, oh, my I think mom they was were so happy. happy. Yeah, I think they were happy. <laughs> they, I think they deep prob- down they want have grandkids and all yeah. those different things. I think my mom just had resigned herself to not that she wasn't going to see me get married. So I think she was very happy. In fact, when we had our first son, it was such a gift to us because neither of us ever thought we'd have children because we really thought we were born this way, hmm. and so. I'll never forget it. We just both wept when we brought him to church to just have him dedicated to the Lord to say, you know, this is our son. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it, it was affected an amazing, us. Yeah. an amazing day. Don't, don't tell me, Tom, you cried. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I cried. <laughs> I cried too. Oh, I did so much. <laughs> um, so in marriage, we recognize, oh, my goodness, we are so both incredibly still broken. Mm-hmm. You know, we had received some healing. But so that journey really, t- we went on that journey of healing. And as a result of the healing that we received, we started ministering to other people out of our home. Uh, just people who were dealing with maybe the same thing, homosexuality, that primarily was what we ministered to in the beginning. And then we realized, wow, the same keys to healing that we found in uh, our lives and in those who struggled with same-sex attraction, those same principles worked in people who struggled with sexual addiction, pornography addiction, victims of incest and childhood molestation. So we just started ministering more and we uh, ended up joining with a ministry, a local ministry, and uh, began to do that. And out of that, we kind of put everything down to eight, what are the eight essential things that we found were the primary wounds that we all experience? And that's how our book came about. It really came about from our own brokenness. Okay, the name of the book is Pure Heart, and uh, I don't know if we can do all eight, but what are some of the eight well, the the first lesson is that we're all needy and weak. And so recognizing that we all have weakness, that we're all broken, we're all in need, and that God actually created us needy for him and for others. And then the next chapter is the mother wound, which I teach. So that is really where our identity and our love we were supposed to get from our moms. But when that because our moms are broken, right? Just like we are. Mm-hmm. When she, in her brokenness, couldn't give to you the way you, what you needed to feel loved, that also, again, brings hurt and pain in your life, which might identify you, or like me, you might have made a vow, I will not be weak like my mother, or other things might come in your life, then comes. We do. Father wound, you know, that's a very typical wound. That's probably the longest chapter. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so many people have that. Uh, we do confession, we do uh, a chapter on true femininity. What does God say? about what true femininity is, true masculinity. Uh, we yeah, because the enemy's really attacking in the area of identity, which we see in our culture. And so we think it's so funny here, God takes two people so broken, really so um, wounded in their identity, and he's using As us, our weakness, to, mm-hmm. for his strength to impart to people. What does it wow. really look like yeah. to be feminine? Well, well, only God could do. Only God could do like that. This. Foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I mean, I, yeah. th- to think that I teach men how to be men is almost laughable to me. <laughs> but that's, God has a great sense Let's of humor. Let's sit down and watch Born Free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the next two chapters are on forgiveness, because forgiveness, if you do not forgive, it will hold mm-hmm. you back in your Christianity yep. and yep. your whole life. And then lastly, true self is when... Once God takes away the wounds, he starts to heal those areas, the mass that you've worn, uh, the lies you believe about yourself, and you let those things go, then who you really were created to be can come out. Yeah. So we have the book, and then we have even eight lessons on YouTube, which ties with the book so that you can get, some people are more auditory learners, mm-hmm. so yep. that it can go yep. deep. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you guys have just come so far. And so you have the book called Pure Heart, which helps people to heal for all the reasons that you mentioned. And also you have a website, Mm pureheart.rest, pureheart.rest, so people can learn more. And also, as we mentioned last time, you have four children, and one of your children lives here on the east side of Melbourne. <laughs> and and you come to visit him every once in a while. Yes. Yeah, we try to get here once a year, and they try to come at least once a year. It doesn't always happen that way, but yeah, it's so good to be here and see them. 
And while you're here, you also talk a few places. So yeah, yes. so we share our stories uh, at churches and at different groups that uh, help people that deal with this issue. Yes. Well, or that's fantastic. So not your usual journey. No. No. And, <laughs> and, and you're not a usual couple because uh, I think, Donna, you still change the oil? Uh, well, I do do more of the yes. <laughs> she yes. does more of that, and I do all the cooking. So, but it works. Yeah, it, it works really. She hates cooking, and I love it. So it kind of works out. The relationship nicely. works. Yeah, and, and you're yes. both serving the Lord. Yeah, you have a passion for people. And because healing. true femininity has nothing to do with whether or not I change the oil. True femininity is having an open heart before God. Mm, true amen. masculinity has nothing to do with whether or not you cook or don't cook it's about being decisive and using your strength to protect mm. those that are weaker than yourself yeah. oh you're setting so many people free yeah. it's fantastic yeah. thank you so much for sharing your Thanks story with us thank you for having it's us wonderful. it's been wonderful well that was the conclusion of our two-part conversation with Tom and Donna Cole sharing their unique story on both of them struggling with identity issues and same-sex attraction in their younger years before both of them came to the Lord and began to grow in their faith. As Donna shared, everyone will not have the same exact journey that they've been on, but God is there for all of us and is wanting to bring about healing and restoration from wounds in our lives. As the Bible says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Also, the Lord says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Finally, if you'd like to learn more about Tom and Donna's ministry and about their book called Pure Heart, their website is pureheart.rest. That's pureheart.rest. Well, thanks for joining us for Tom and Donna's story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Then he explained that his wife had been to a seminar and received this Holy Spirit. I didn't know what he was talking about. And having received the Holy Spirit, she prayed for him in their bed at night, and he got it as well. And hence he came in full of the Holy Ghost into our factory, blossomed and shining and saying how wonderful the world was. And in the end, I said to my wife, you know, he'll have to go. He's obviously, you know, got a problem. Charles King was probably one of the least likely persons to become a Christian. He was 50 years old and had never really thought much about God. We'll find out how God finally got a hold of his heart as Reverend Charles King shares his story next time. The story. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.